From atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, West. you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman and Kirk Crosby live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I refuse to use, no doubt, starts now. No doubt, hard-hitting news that I refuse to use. Talk radio hits now. All right, let's see. There's a lot of stuff to talk about, folks, so I'm going to skip the preambles. This is the broadcast for the 27th of January. On Saturday, we were live. We had our guest on, Mr. David A. Clark, Jr., former sheriff. You can find him on Twitter at Sheriff Clark with an E on the end. He wrote, um, well, we talked with him about voter fraud. The voter fraud database is hosted at the Heritage Foundation, and the states should guarantee that every eligible individual is able to vote and that no one has had their vote stolen. Voter fraud is real. Anyway, they have an incredible database of vote fraud that they're compiling over at the Heritage Foundation. Kind of fascinating. Um, Governor Northam and liberal media seem to be disappointed that the Virginia gun rally was peaceful. Yeah, the article's at townhall.com, written by David Clark Jr. Incredible article. Now that gun rights supporters are using the Second Amendment sanctuary status to block gun control measures, the blackface KKK leader Northam in Virginia is going after these counties. Yeah, he's literally claiming that there's danger. Literally claiming there's threats of violence. Um, basically, he claims that they're uh, intelligence reports that are credible, but they're bogus. No connection to the event at all. So that's the interesting thing. Virginia Governor Blackface Northam. He's the KKK guy, by the way. He tried to provoke a confrontation with gun rights Advocates, but you know what? The gun owners did not take the bait. 20 plus thousand people, one of the most peaceful events we've ever had. People were even picking up trash as they were leaving. Yeah, only one arrest. Somebody wouldn't take off a mask or take off something hiding their face. Other than that, there was nothing. Nothing. It was super peaceful, super polite, super appropriate. Apparently, black gun right supporters are invisible to the lying liberal media. At CNN, MSN, NBC, Huffington Post, etc., they consciously avoid looking to interview them. Anyway, great hour with David A. Clark Jr. Hour two, I was by myself, uh, but we played in detail President Trump's remarks at the 47th annual March for Life event in D.C. Tens of thousands marched in favor of the pro-life cause in rejection of Abortions. Yeah. Against the abortion lobby. But you won't see it on the mainstream media channels, will you? We talked about absolutely incredible moments, says Matt Staver. That's when President Trump, first president in history to speak to the group, did a phenomenal job. And by the way, I got a couple of quick sound bites from that. So on Saturday, I played the whole 13-minute speech from President Trump. We don't have time for that today, but I do have time for two sound bites. Here's the first. All of us here today understand an eternal truth. Every child is a precious and sacred gift from God. 
Together, we must protect, cherish, and defend the dignity and the sanctity of every human life. When we see the image of a baby in the womb, we glimpse the majesty of God's creation. When we hold a newborn in our arms, we know the endless love that each child brings to a family. When we watch a child grow, we see the splendor that radiates from each human soul. One life changes the world. Incredible comments from President Trump. I mean, real comments, not just a, hey, shout out to the pro-life guys or something like that. Real, detailed comments about God, about us created in his image, about the importance of a single life. He then went on and praised women. Not the feminazi kind, real women. Listen to this. Today, millions of extraordinary women across America are using the power of their votes to fight for the right and all of their rights as given in the Declaration of Independence. It's the right to life. To all the women here today, your devotion and your leadership uplifts our entire nation, and we thank you for that. The tens of thousands of Americans gathered today not only stand for life, you stand for life each and every day. You provide housing, education, jobs, and medical care to the women that you serve. You find loving families for children in need of a forever home. You host baby showers for expecting moms. You make, you just make it your life's mission to help spread God's grace. And to all of the moms here today, we celebrate you and we declare that mothers are heroes. All right, Donald Trump doing some phenomenal stuff for religion, for life, and more. All right, we got a sad piece, basketball legend. Kobe Bryant killed in fiery helicopter crash. His daughter died as well. Uh, There was nine people total. Him and his daughter were two of them. It happened in California over the weekend. They don't know what caused it. They're digging into it. But our prayers are with Kobe Bryant's family. The whole sports world is just reeling. Uh, But rest in peace, Kobe. All right, without further ado, Lowell Nelson, campaign for liberty.org. Welcome back to Liberty Roundtable Live, sir. Well, thank you for having me, gentlemen. It's good to be with you. All right, let's kick it off. There's a North Carolina sheriff. A guy's name is Trip Kester, and he refuses to enforce unconstitutional gun laws. Just a tremendous example. And I've mentioned to you, ladies and gentlemen, that this, um, I'm trying to think of what to call it, issue started in Virginia or whatever you want to say, but it's been really covering the nation. Good sheriffs from Florida, from all over the place, are starting to stand up and say, hey, we're not doing this. So the sheriff spoke. Here's his comments. Then we'll go to Lowell for the breakdown. Sheriff? My name's Trip Kester. <clears throat> As you can see, I'm here. I just want to personally... Could you pull that mic up a little bit? Is that better? Okay. I just want to personally and publicly go on record supporting this resolution before us this evening. You know, guys, it's it's simple. Like a lot of them have said, the Constitution needs no no explanation. It's been enforced for several hundred years now. It's easy to understand. It says what it means. 
and means what it says. And the last time I read the Declaration of Independence, it, it, it specifically reminds all of us that we're endowed by our Creator with certain inalienable rights, which means God-given, among these life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, and that governments were instituted among men specifically to secure our God-given rights. And it says when government becomes destructive to these ends, meaning when they go above and beyond trying to secure our liberties and trying to take them, it's the right of the people to alter or abolish that government, either by voting or ultimately, God forbid, to use our Second Amendment rights to protect ourselves from tyranny. And I'm just asking all of y'all to unanimously join our sister counties of Wilkes, Surrey, Stokes, Lincoln, and Cherokee and get on board with this thing and publicly demonstrate to us that you're willing to uphold and honor the same oath I took when I put my hand on God's word and held my other hand up to him and swore that I'd give my life to defend that Constitution. And I, and I hate, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but regardless of what y'all do or don't do, I'm not going to enforce an unconstitutional law. I'm going to protect protect the people of this county regardless of what's done here so i'm just praying i've been praying about this thing all week that god would touch y'all's heart and say hey let's get on board let's do the right thing let's let these people know that we're here to support them and we're not going to allocate any personnel finances resources or facilities to infringe on their liberties thank you lol hmm. pretty awesome sam incredible um, I, one of the great things i like about that he said he had been praying about that all week, you know, and that tells me that he's a thoughtful, contemplative, understanding, receptive man who is willing uh, to stand up for and adhere to the Constitution to, to which he took an oath. And he took that oath before God. And so that's why I, I admire that caliber of a gentleman so much, because he's not just a flash in the pan. He, he thoughtfully meditatively decided that he would not enforce an unconstitutional law. He understands that our rights come from our Creator, our God, and um, <clears throat> he's not going to enforce a man-made law that would violate the rights that were granted to his fellow citizens from his Creator. I just can't say enough about good about him, Sam. Yeah, and he also talked about our you know, he said our inalienable rights, and he said that means God-given. So this man understands the Declaration of Independence. He understands the Constitution. He understands what his obligation and his oath is, regardless of what others do. He was polite about it, but yet very direct, very bold, very clear. Uh, and in my opinion, if we have patriots like that across the country, lol, we have no fear. That's why we need this caliber of sheriffs and peace officers throughout our county, folks. Banning guns will not make schools safe. James Bovard, incredible article. We'll talk about that as the broadcast unfolds with Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org on your radio.
Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, what if somebody steals our gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way. But actually, gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into Mommy and Daddy's bank account because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. So you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on, 24-7 with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. Talk Right, the conservative app offered by TalkStream Live that caters exclusively to the conservative talk radio community. Here you'll see only talk shows and podcasts from the conservative right, all the big broadcast names and online digital shows in one place. Talk Right makes it easy to find all your favorite conservative talkers with all the upscale features you come to expect from TalkStream Live. Keep up with the fast-paced political world. Download Talk Right today from Google Play or the App Store. All right, we got a few authors with some incredible columns about your right to keep and bear arms. Those are God-given rights. It starts out with banning guns. Will not make schools safe. James Bovard, or Bavard, I think it is. Lowell? Right, this Post article posted at uh, the, the Future Freedom Foundation, um, or which is FFF.org, um, talking about, uh, you know, this, this article surprised me in some ways, Sam, I, but... And that's why I wanted to bring this up. He says, he says that the, 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 well, the first myth he addresses is the notion that the number of school shootings is on the rise. He, say, he writes, despite a tidal wave of misleading propaganda, the number of school shootings has fallen sharply over the past 30 years. Now, that's not what you and I hear on the lamestream media, but he, say, he writes here last year the Federal Education Department reported that nearly 240 schools reported at least one incident involving a school-related shooting in the 2015-2016 school year. Well, National Public Radio, NPR, investigated and found that the feds had exaggerated school shootings by 20-fold. NPR could confirm only 11 incidents. Cleveland alone was credited with 37 shooting incidents, when in reality it was simply a report of 37 schools that noted possession of a knife or a firearm. In DeKalb County, Georgia, a toy cap gun fired on a school bus counted as a school shooting. One school system was listed as a school locale for an incident involving a pair of scissors, right? And so this is it's crazy, Sam. You know, uh, here in, in Utah, for example, an outbreak of the measles 
is, is defined as two or more, right? When you hear the word outbreak, you're thinking dozens of people were affected. Well, if two or more people get the measles in Utah, even if they're in the same family, that's considered an outbreak. That's <laughs> crazy. And, and, then, and then going on with this article, back to this article, uh, Bovard says, he says, last January, meaning one year ago, numerous Indiana... Oh, hang on. I, let, me, let me stop right there. So his first point is that the lamestream media exaggerates school shootings. And when, he, when they say school shootings, they don't mean that someone actually got shot. They, actually, they, they mean these other things like possession of a knife or, or a pair of scissors, right? I mean, that's what they're counting. And so we need to be very cautious, very leery, and, and, um, and, and you know, of, of any report of this kind about the number of school shootings, when in actuality the number of school-related shootings has gone down sharply over the past 20, 30 years. Okay, the next matter that Boulevard addresses just really kind of shocked me somewhat, Sam. Their imitation or their mock shootings, right? They, they practice these in their schools, apparently. So in Indiana, elementary school uh, system last January, meaning one year ago, elementary school teachers, Sam, were shot as part of a state schools training program. According to the Indiana State Teachers Association, sheriff's deputies ordered teachers into a room four at a time, told them to crouch down, and then shot them execution style with pellets in rapid succession, leaving several of them bloodied and many of them screaming. The union complained the teachers were terrified but were told not to tell anyone what happened. Teachers waiting outside that heard the screaming were brought into the room four at a time, and the shooting process was repeated. Man, the, the union is lobbying lawmakers to add legislative language prohibiting school uh, teachers from being shot with any sort of ammunition during school safety drills, according to the Indianapolis News. Can you believe that, Sam? Well, it just goes to show their agenda. What they're trying to do, in my opinion, is they're trying to create fear everywhere. Uh, and the, this is the way they heighten the fear, right? Because if yeah. you get if you get nailed with some projectile, even if it's maybe not uh, murderous in its intent, it ups the ante, making you think, oh, my gosh, there is a gunman around the corner going to take me out at any second. Uh, but they forget the reality, the truth that, you know what, our right to keep and bear arms is an inalienable right. It doesn't come from government. Government doesn't codify it. Government doesn't give us permission. Okay, government just acknowledges that it's a right that precedes government. An armed school is a safe school, writes Norm Singleton. So he doubles down on the point we're making here. He sure does, Sam. And he, his, his, his um, uh, point was this, uh, well, he, he uh, referred to first to the armed shooter in a Texas church last month, stopped by armed parishioners, right? And this reinforces the fact that the very best way to stop bad people with guns is a good person with a gun, right? Of and course. believe it or not, these whacked-out liberals even have the audacity to say this good guy in the church shouldn't have had his gun. I mean, they're off their rocker. They're crazy. It's, it is crazy. And it's becoming so easy to see how unhinged these people are. Never mind the fact that these people have their cadre of, of you know, gun-toting um, protectionists around them. These elitists that, you know, claim that, you know, you and I or, you know, the churchgoer shouldn't have had a gun or whatever. They're all surrounded by gun-toting protectionists that protect them, right? So everything that they say and do is just highlighting how unhinged and how dishonest and how immoral and how they believe in they're the kings and the makers and you and I are the 
cannon fodder. And, you know, it's just so easy to see. And the more they go on record defending their positions, the easier it is for Americans to call a halt to the con game. Well, thank goodness some good guys with guns were there to stop the, uh, the, the killing in that Texas church. This happens over and over again, Sam. The, um, the, uh, uh, who is it? Uh, the, I know that John, uh, the, the New American, I think, has a page dedicated to the armed citizen. And they highlight over repeatedly. I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds of, of, of times when an armed citizen uh, will stop something bad from happening simply because he, he has a gun. A good guy with a gun is on site and stops something bad from happening. Well, see, Norm Singleton was lauding, and rightfully so, lauding uh, U.S. Representative Thomas Massey uh, for introducing H.R. 3200, which is entitled the Safe Student Act. Uh, he introduced this bill in June of last year, just six, seven months ago, and said that gun-free zones are ineffective and make schools less safe. 98% of mass public shootings since 1950 have occurred in places where citizens are banned from having guns. Banks, churches, sports, stadiums, and many of my colleagues in Congress are protected with firearms, yet children inside the classroom are too frequently left vulnerable. And this is the real problem, Sam. And, and, and to think that my representative here in the state of Utah, not a single one, of the four representatives in the state of Utah have co-sponsored this bill. They showed no sign of, of supporting this bill, which would eliminate gun-free school zones. It would repeal that gun-free, uh, gun-free school zone act of, of 1990, which, by the way, the Supreme Court declared was, un, was not constitutional, prompting Congress to amend the bill in 96. And so I tell you what, Sam, this, this act is not constitutional. The one that, that, that they passed in 1990 and then amended in 96 it is not constitutional. So how do I know this? Well, because it purports to exercise an authority that states did not vest in the general government. The states gave authority to the general government to punish counterfeiting, piracy, and treason. That's it. The states did not vest in the general government any authority to punish a citizen in a state for carrying a weapon or for hurting someone else with a weapon, whatever, that authority fully resides in each state. That's how I know that the Gun-Free School Zone Act of 1990 passed by Congress is unconstitutional, and it should be treated as null and void by every state in the Union. Now, that's why we can't blame Congress alone for letting this bill die in committee. No state, of which I'm aware, has passed a law that nullifies this congressional act or declares it to be null and void, but they should. Every state should do that, Sam. Hey, Amen. They should. Donald Trump said he'd ban gun-free zones first day. You know what a gun-free zone is to a sicko? That's bait. That's like gun-free zone. And then they walk in with whatever the hell they're carrying. And these five great soldiers, and I'm telling you, one of them was one of the most highly awarded one. He was super shot. Every He's not allowed to have a gun. All five are killed instantaneously. And you have other cases. I will get rid of gun-free zones on schools, and you have to. And on military bases, my first day it gets signed, okay? My first day. I wish it were true. Me too, Sam. (laughs) If states don't assert their sovereignty, Sam, and get rid of these gun-free zones and just thumb their nose at the general government law, which, you know, created these gun-free zones in the first place, these these uh, safe-to-kill zones, 
then, um, you know, they're not doing their duty. States should erect the barriers. That's what Madison said. That's what Jefferson said. And, uh, and, and they need to do it, and they need to do it now. We need to demand that our state legislatures make uh, school zones safe once again for our children. Well, you have it. Banning guns will not make uh, guns or schools safe. An, un, an armed school is a safe school. And I would say any armed place is a safe place. How about constitutional carry everywhere? That's what I would propose. By the way, there are four essential steps states, counties, and individuals can take to protect the right to keep and bear arms. Michael Bolden, 10th Amendment Center, will cover that two in seconds on your radio with Lowell Nelson. Exposing corruption. Informing citizens. Pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Chris Barnes. The FBI, the NTSB, and several other federal agencies all working together to try to determine the cause of a helicopter crash in California yesterday that claimed the life of former Lakers superstar Kobe Bryant, as well as eight other people, including Bryant's 13-year-old daughter. Scotty Pippen discussing his friend Bryant this morning. We watched him come out of high school as a very raw um, charismatic player and he developed into in my eye one of the greatest players that I've ever watched on the basketball court. He was speaking on ABC's Good Morning America. President Trump's lawyers resumed their opening statements in the Senate impeachment trial today. They began presenting their case for the president during a brief Saturday session. And you're listening to USA Radio News. We're already into a new year, and according to TransUnion's annual consumer credit forecast, the consumer credit market looks strong. Matt Comos, TransUnion's vice president of research and consulting. The U.S. consumer is as strong as ever, and we expect more of the same this year. More consumers are securing loans and increasing their balances in a measured way, all while maintaining historically low delinquency rates, low unemployment rates, Continued wage growth and an overall sound economy are making this positive performance hold true. Are there trends to watch for this year? TransUnion's trends to watch are credit card performance staying strong, personal loans stabilizing, auto lenders continuing at a steady pace, and first-time homebuyers leading mortgage activity. The U.S. consumer credit market has grown every year since the Great Recession in 2009, marking one of the longest economic expansions in U.S. history. There's more at TransUnion.com. That's TransUnion.com. There are now five confirmed cases of coronavirus in the United States. As the spread of the virus continues to grow around the world, U.S. health officials are trying to calm fears of a pandemic. Here's more from USA Radio's John Clemens. Dr. Nancy Messonnier of the CDC says Americans need to be prepared, but there is no reason to be alarmed at this time. The U.S. has faced multiple pandemics before of varying degrees and severity. We need to be preparing as if this is a pandemic, 
but I continue to hope that it is not. Dr. Messonnier says the CDC is hearing from clinicians all around the world. We want people to have a high index of suspicion and to call if they have a patient that they're concerned about. American officials say rockets hit the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad on Sunday. They reportedly slammed into the embassy's dining area. No one was killed, one person injured. This is USA Radio News. There's four things we can do to prevent gun-free zones. But I go back to the sheriff's statements. He concluded in his statement that we played, the good sheriff of the North Carolina. He basically said, we will not allocate any personnel, finances, resources, or facilities to infringe on their liberties. Uh, this is the caliber of sheriffs and peace officers we need in our counties, folks. And we need good leaders everywhere to highlight the same reality check it's critical that we really understand that right okay it's important to to focus on that lull because if we get good leaders they can erect the barriers without them then it's left to we the people and you know what it's a tough road to hoe against our leaders well it is and that's why a governmental official like a sheriff who stands up and and takes a stand like that is the government, and it's easier for them to push back against this, the encroachment by the general government than it is for you and me, because we're supposedly not authorized, even though we're the ones that empowered the sheriff, and we empowered those in high office in Congress. Um, it's a sheriff, it's, it's someone duly elected by the people who has the official title, the public office of sheriff. Um, it's easier for him to push back against this encroachment. Now, it's, it's important that we understand that our, that our right to keep and bear arms is not a Second Amendment right. This right to protect oneself and one's family comes from God. That's the origin of the right. We shouldn't be talking about a Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. Yes, the Second Amendment was there to prohibit government from infringing on our natural God-given right to keep and bear arms and to protect ourselves, right? And so this is a, it's a nuance. But it's important distinction to, to, to recognize that our right to, to protect ourselves is, an, is, is inherent in our life. It comes from God, not from government. And, you know, not a single one of the founders thought that, boy, if we don't get the Second Amendment ratified, we're not going to be able to keep and bear arms. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they didn't have that thought in, 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 anywhere. I mean, that was the furthest thing from their minds. They already knew they had a right to keep and bear arms, <clears throat> and they just wanted to enshrine that protection, that prohibition on the general government in the Second Amendment. Well, they really put it on the states as well by the, the natural understanding that it's a God-given inalienable right. Then the states don't have the right to tamper with it either or the authority to tamper with it either. That's something to understand. Uh, realize that what if the Second Amendment was never ratified? Would we still have our God-given inalienable rights of self-defense to keep and bear arms? Yes, we would. Yep. Perfect. Uh, great point there. Now, that was point number one. Number two, all gun control is bad. That's the second point. All gun control is bad at any level, whether it's local, county, state, or general. Uh, any gun control, all gun control is bad, even if you think it's not consequential or doesn't apply to you. For example, the bump stock ban, right? Some people, they don't think that applies to them, but it is nonetheless bad. Why? Because it sets a precedent. And that precedent then becomes the pretext 
or the justification for another bad law in, in, you know, in the future. And so what happens when the next gun grabber gets into office? They will take another inch and then another inch, and by and by you will find that your rights have disappeared. They've been regulated away by, um, by the you know, myriad uh, firearms laws uh, that were passed at the state and perhaps the local and certainly the general level. So <clears throat> that's why all gun control legislation is bad. Now, for example, the Utah legislature this year will consider a handful of bills related to firearms. All, all but one is bad. Uh, they, they're going to talk about background checks, say storage of firearms, firearm identification, uh, and uh, custodial liability. Those are four bills that will be considered by Utah legislature this year, and we need to put a stop to those immediately. Um, every single one of those is bad and ought to be opposed. So any gun control is bad. That's just point number two. Number three point, as soon as you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. <laughs> and we see that over and over again. That's why we don't want to even give them a precedent, uh, like the, 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 the bump stock ban. Don't even give them a precedent. Uh, you know, uh, well, who is it? Samuel Adams said, let us remember that if we suffer tamely a lawless attack upon our liberty, then we encourage it and involve others in our doom. Samuel Adams didn't pull any punches, Sam. Finally, his last point, number four, we must nullify federal gun control immediately. Gun control at any level is bad. We've established that. And, and he said, let's get the low-hanging fruit first and get some wins. Now, he says nullifying a federal gun control law is logistically easier than nullifying a state-level gun control law. Why? Because the general government relies so heavily on state cooperation to implement and enforce almost all of its laws, regulations, and acts. And back in uh, 2013, for example, the National Governors Association admitted that states are partners with the federal government on most federal programs. And when you think about it, Sam, the ATF has uh, maybe five or 6,000 employees in the entire country, and about a third of them are in the administration, right? So that leaves about, oh, I don't know, 4,000, three or 4,000 with firearms. And you think that that number can actually enforce federal government gun control? I don't think so. And so, um, yeah, we states, we states simply need to stand up and refuse to cooperate with these baseless gun control laws promulgated by the general government. Well, and I, I might remind you, too, that that's what Richard Mack's Supreme Court case was all about. You know, they said, yeah. hey, Sheriff, you're going to go ahead and become my agent uh, to take away guns under the Brady Bill and or to disarm people and or whatever. And, you know, the good Sheriff Richard Mack said, wait a minute, no, I'm not. And they said, yes, you will. And he said, no, I'm not. And they said, we'll arrest you if you don't. And he said, I'll take you to court. And he did, and he won. And it's a very case setting or precedent there that, you know what, there is dual sovereignties, and the federal government has no authority to um, conscript or subscribe uh, state officials to any mandate uh, that they want to. There, there's no authority to do that. Uh, a lot of people have ignored uh, Richard Mack's Supreme Court case win, but I submit to you that it's huge, folks. It's huge. Uh, we need a mindset change in our country, says Michael Bolden, and he kind of highlights the mindset that Richard Mack had. He sure did, Sam. In fact, he quoted a letter from John Adams to Hezekiah Niles in 1818, who wrote, but 
what do we mean by the American Revolution? Do we mean the American War? The Revolution was effected before the war commenced. <clears throat> now, say that again. The Revolution was effected, effected, you know, the, the letter E, effected, meaning caused to happen. The Revolution was effected before the war commenced. The revolution was in the minds and hearts of the people, a change in their religious sentiments of their duties and obligations. This radical change in the principles, opinions, sentiments, and affection of the people was the real American revolution. That's what that John Adams wrote, Sam, and I believe that. You know, The revolution in the hearts and minds of the people of this country occurred long before the first shot was fired. And that's what we need to have happen here today right now is that we need a revolution of our, of our thinking. We need to understand that our rights come from our Creator, not from government. And we need to be very clear. We need a restoration of our thinking. Uh, John Adams understood yeah. this and taught this very principle that we need to restore. So I, I get the point. I'm just making the, the, the idea, though, that we don't need a revolution. Uh, what yeah. we need is a restoration of these same principles that the revolution codified into the understanding and inculcated into the hearts and minds of people. Sheriff Mack understood them, went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court agreed with Richard Mack and disagreed with Bill Clinton. Okay, let's exactly. talk about James Madison's advice for the states. Well, James Madison, uh, let me find that here. His, he said in Federalist 46 that a refusal to cooperate with officers of the Union represents an extremely effective method to bring down federal government. Uh, 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 actually, that whole thing wasn't the quote. He was talking in Federalist 46 about the uh, refusal to cooperate with officers, uh, officers of the Union as the rightful remedy... Uh, to the federal encroachment on the liberties of the citizens of the several states. That's what he was talking about. And that's why, he, that, that's why uh, Michael Bolden here is right in saying that we need to, in, the, the way to bring down federal gun control measures is simply for state and local governments not to cooperate, basically refuse to cooperate with these unconstitutional measures promulgated by the feds. And let me just quote the, the order of the court, by the way, in Mack's case. I, I love talking about this. He says, the federal government, and this is the, the opinion of the court, right out of the, of the Supreme Court decision, the federal government may neither issue directives requiring the states to address particular problems, nor command the state's officers or those of their political subdivisions, meaning like their counties, like the county sheriff, to administer or enforce a federal regulatory program, period. That's pretty powerful, Sam. Not only is it powerful, but it's in modern times. And this is where I think Michael Bolden and the last line of this discussion is so important. Says this, state and local activism is a good response to the tyrannical overreach of the general government. Amen to that. Quick pause. Sam, Kurt, Lowell, CampaignForLiberty.org, on your radio. Do we reflect about our future and where we as a culture are moving? Do we keep our trust in our jobs, homes, money, life necessities, investments, stock markets? Do we believe that our 401ks or other retirements will always be there? and that the current economic order will recover? Is the economy going to recover and life return to normal? 
It ain't gonna happen by a friend of Medjugorje. Whether you are poor, middle class, or rich, it ain't gonna happen. A book of astounding revelations about the present economic order and where we are heading. It ain't gonna happen by a friend of Medjugorje. To order, visit medj.com, spelled M-E-J.com, or call Caritas in the U.S. 205-672-2000 why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less anybody ever had less money this year than you had last anybody better have a one percent pay cut you deal with it that's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's gonna do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and some of you may not be gun owners, and some of you may just think, you know what, I'm, I don't really hunt. You know, I don't really like guns. They're just not my thing. I get all that. I understand that in modern day. We live in a different society for sure. But understand that the real reason to keep and bear arms is to protect one's wives, family, children, whatever you want to say. Okay, it's to make sure that government doesn't go crazy. And government has a trend towards tyranny, folks. And yes, it might be to stop a robber. Yes, it might be because if at some day you may need food. I understand all those things. But really, it's to stop government tyranny. And government, when the people are armed and understand their God-given inalienable rights, has to calm down a little bit, has to back off from that tyrannical disposition. Uh, when the guns are taken away, then government has nothing preventing it from exercising abuses on the people. We need to be clear. That's what this is about, Lowell. I understand uh, some of the other things, but let's not limit it to those things. Let's be clear of what the founders understood our right to keep and bear arms uh, to mean. There was an understanding there that it was to hold government tendencies back from their evils and to clearly do so. And they said, let's peacefully divide power vertically and horizontally, vertically amongst the three powers, horizontally, I'm sorry, horizontally amongst the three powers and vertically to so the states and the Fed with dual sovereignty, as Richard Mack's um, Supreme Court case highlights. Uh, but they basically said, we want to do it peacefully, just like the sheriff said. Let's use the laws. Let's obey the laws. Uh, but if that doesn't work, if you guys still get belligerent, we're going to make sure that we can hold the upper hand. As, well, as evidence in support of your statement, Sam, you look at the number of people killed by government just in the last century, the previous century, the 20th century, and compared with the number of people killed by criminals, and it, there's almost no comparison. We're talking millions and millions of people killed by their own government 
and and relatively few, meaning <clears throat> hundreds of people killed by criminals. And so, <clears throat> yeah, we may need the guns for meat, you know, to feed our families. We may need the guns to defend ourselves from criminals. But by far, the most dangerous uh, threat to our rights, liberties, property, family, lives, and so forth, is our own government. Sad but true, Sam. All right. Um, we talked about this movie in detail uh, a week and a half or two ago. Uh, I guess a week ago. When it uh, basically was coming out. Now the movie is out. And wow, Lowell went to see it. What am I talking about? I'm talking about Blind Eyes Opened. The 2020 Christian documentary. Diving into the sex trafficking industry in the United States. Exposing the darkness that fuels demands. And then highlighting survivors transformations through christ a tremendous movie hope for all involved but yet we got to do more not a movie for children though it's just too brutal lol that's right sam i was um i went last thursday night uh, one of only a dozen people in the theater sam a theater holding i don't know capacity of at least 100 maybe 140 seats or something and there are only a dozen of us in there i uh and so that was one disappointment. It is a brutal movie. Maybe it wasn't publicized widely enough. I don't know. I noticed it on your show notes from last week, and that's why I thought we could talk about it today. I, I, because this, at that time, we had no one, no one had seen it, although we had seen descriptions of it. And the movie begins with a scriptural passage from the book of Isaiah, from the prophet Isaiah. Uh, quote, to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness, end of quote. And that, that, that's really the case. Blind Eyes Open, they chose the title, I think, because most people today, most of us, are blind to the fact that the sex trade is alive and well in our own community. That was one of the first big facts that they they stated, in, you know, in, in this documentary, was that it's happening right in your own city, right in your own town, and uh, and and that's it is both disturbing. It's uncomfortable, but uh, the fact that this movie brings that out should, or it ought to help us understand that because it is happening in our own communities, then we ought to do something about it. And this it's great that this there are a number of faith-based groups. Um, all over the country that are working with, uh, they're, they're going into strip clubs and, and, and uh, talking with, with the girls and offering them their friendship, and offering them help to leave the trade if they want to. You know, not, not everybody wants to leave that. Some, some people think they, they're stuck in it. it. It's a change in mindset. I mean, once you're in that, once you work in a strip club apparently for a number of years, it, you, you're so desensitized that you just don't, want to get out, but a, a, a girl who was is forced to go in and begin working in a club, that, that first month or two or three, the likelihood of extracting her and giving her an option out is really quite high. But years down the road, then it becomes far more difficult. Um, I thought, now this, there's a, the next aspect of this movie I thought was helpful for me anyway, and, and hopefully for our listeners, was uh, who do predators look for? And, and there are predators. These predators that want to grab 
people and force them into the sex trade industry, they look for girls who are loners. They, you know, if, they, if you see three or four girls bopping around the mall, they, that's not a good target. But if you see a, a, a girl alone, you know, runaways uh, in the bus stations, the train stations, or at the mall, they're just they're walking around alone. They're they're unhappy. If if they have feelings of low self worth, uh, who seem to have no hope, then that is a really good target, you know, for these predators. And so these predators will come up to the the the, the girl who's alone, and they'll make conversation. They'll you know, they'll try to make conversation. Now, if the target looks back at them squarely and responds with a firm hello, then the predator gives up immediately. You know, it's just they, re- they gauge everything on the response of the target. But if the target looks away or down or, you know, it walks, you know, turns away and tries to get out as, as a, you know, the way the predator, the predator then zeroes in for the kill, basically. The predator then knows, okay, I've got a, a young lady here who's trying to run away from stuff, doesn't have a high self-confidence, then this is the type of person they go after. Now, many, well, most most girls and boys, by the way, involved in sex trafficking have been abused by family or by extended family or by close friends. Uh, almost 80%, well, yeah, over 80%, Sam. That's why it's so, oh, man, heart-wrenching that, that this goes on. But, but those, most of the people involved in the sex trade have been abused, sexually abused, verbally abused, emotionally abused by their own family or close friends. Now, it exposed uh, the darkness that fuels the demand. Most of it has to do with pornography, doesn't it? It really does, Sam. Uh, pornography feeds this, um, this sex trade, and then sex trade feeds um, abortion. Uh, that's that's really it's a pernicious connection. But the, the, it, what happens is that pornography becomes you know addictive for to, to those apparently who who do that, and so then they 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 need to you know have sex, and so they they begin paying for it, and that's why the sex trade is such a big industry. And then for those prostitutes who are involved that get pregnant. They don't, aren't. They won't make any money if if they're not on the street, you know, uh, soliciting uh, sex, and so they're forced to go get the uh, abortion. Now, there's a big seat change taking place that we got to highlight before the end of the hour. Sorry to hurry up, Lowell, a little bit, but I want to get all this in. There's a big seat change. They used to treat the prostitute as the criminal, yeah. and now they're realizing they can't do that, and they're starting to befriend them and not look at their. Uh, behavior is so criminalistic because many of them are forced into it, and many of yep. them don't really want to be there anyway. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, they 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 covered the six survivors. They, they illustrated and, and they they had them on camera. The six survivors who had been forced into the sex trade and then finally got out, and they talked about. I mean, this one will just break your heart. She had had been forced to have so many abortions that now that she's out of the sex trade and married, she cannot have children. She's had several miscarriages. She's tried, but she's not even able to carry a child to term stand. It just breaks your heart. But the good news of this movie was that the transformation of the heart that has occurred in these victims is, is very heartwarming and, and, and really quite inspiring. So these six stories that they covered, 
you know, they just break your heart, but they also, you know, give you hope because they are heartwarming. Well, that's, that's the importance of it being done by a Christian group who yeah. really shows Christ as the hope for all involved. And I think that's really the poignant point of the whole movie is to say, hey, folks, we together can stop this abuse. Uh, and it starts with stopping abortion. It starts with stopping the sex trafficking and trade. It starts by not treating many of these people involved as criminals because they're not. It starts by understanding how they target people and preventing it in the first place. It starts by acknowledging that it exists. It starts by demanding that our politicians do something about it. And we, the people, are cognizant and aware of what's going on around us so we can stop it. And it takes all of us turning to God, family, and country and then realizing that Christ is the answer. Bottom line for me, Sam, is we need to, for everybody, everybody listening, the bottom line is really you got to hold your family close to you, and you, you do that with love, with kindness, with patience, with understanding, with empathy. That's how you hold your family close to you, right? And, with forgiveness, you, with repentance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you help your children develop strong feelings of self-worth. Help them encourage healthy friendships with other people, because if your children will grow up with healthy friendships, with with, uh, feelings of self-worth within them, they will not be targeted by the predators. They will not be uh, tempted to to join the sex trade. They're not going to slip into that uh, pernicious industry. And so love your children. Love one another, basically. That's what Jesus said. Love one another as I have loved you. That is the answer, Sam. The Prince of Peace, ladies and gentlemen, uh, is the solution. Anyway, the saddest part about this whole thing, in my mind, this is a very serious reach out from the Christian community to do something about it uh, and not really you know, focus on government, but to focus on what we the people can do and how we can focus on family, as you're pointing out. Uh, but sadly, the theater wasn't even packed, was it? Oh, I was so sad, Sam. It was empty, almost empty. A dozen people in a room that would have accommodated over 100 people, Sam. And the sad part is they won't be showing these kind of movies very long like that, Lowell. Yeah, yeah, there's not enough demand for it, folks. We need to stand up for truth and righteousness and goodness and kindness wherever we find it, Sam. And going to these kinds of movies sends that signal. But our society is too busy with bread and circus, too busy with blood and circus to worry about that. Like the McGregor fight took, what, 40 seconds to finish? They were charging 65 bucks a pop to watch that sucker. That did very well. Liberty Roundtable Live, you know, struggling to get the support that it needs and blind eyes open. 2020, the Christian documentary, struggling to get support for it as well. Our prayers are for America, ladies and gentlemen. Our prayers are for your family. Lowell, thank you, sir. You're welcome, gentlemen. So good to be with you. Lowell Nelson, Campaign for Liberty.org, doing a phenomenal job for Sam and Kurt. We declare this nation shall endure. We the people, along with the grace of the Almighty, can and will restore our grand old republic. But ladies and gentlemen, you got to get involved. LibertyRoundTable.com, donate today, spread the word. Next hour, Dr. Scott Bradley in the house. God save the Republic of the United States of America. Mm-hmm.